Welcome to the New Day Church Message of the Week. It is our hope and prayer that you encounter the one who created you through hearing this message today. To contact us or find out more information about our events and who we are, go to newday-church.org. Thank you for listening. I believe that there's a way that he is making for us that no matter what's happening in the world outside of our understanding of him, that we will still be at a place of peace. And that no matter what the world decides, that we will still have such joy and such hope. And we're able to love well. We're not given over to fear or worry or scarcity. But that we're able to uh, be like Jesus in a world that's crying out for him. In a world that, that desperately needs to know the love of a savior. We have this, this call, and I believe it's meant to happen on the inside and then on the outside, a transformation on the inside that goes out. There's a lot of times where we try to change things on the outside. We change our outside behaviors, right? Well, I'll, I'll do this. I'll do that. I'll, I'll, I'm going to white knuckle. I'm going to do this. I got will. And then will leaves, right? <laughs> Jesus he had said that it's really, it's what's going on on the inside that makes such a big impact on what we do on the outside. That the overflow of our heart, the mouth speaks. Out of what's going on in our hearts, that impacts the actions, that impacts how we respond to things. So how is your heart today? How are you doing? First Thessalonians 4, 7, there's this call on our life to be holy, not self-righteous, uh, not to be better than thou, not that we're, that there's no call that Jesus had ever said that we would lord over anyone. He, he'd actually said, if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom of God, you're to be a servant. But there's a lot of times where we get to certain spots where we think that we need to lord over things or try to control things. Uh, but no, really, when it comes to this call of a holy life, I love it. First Thessalonians 4, 7. God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. And Jesus didn't just pay this ultimate sacrifice so that we could be free from sin and death so that we would just then go on and be impure or approach things to even think that it's okay. I love 1 Corinthians 7, 1. It says, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates Body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of a reverence for God. Let us purify ourselves. Now, we can't do that on our own, can we, Joe? It's something where we need the help of the Holy Spirit. And I, I love how the Holy Spirit, he, he is so for us. The Holy Spirit is so for us. He's wanting to help us rise up to be all that we're meant to be. In Hebrews 12, 14, it says, make every effort to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Yes. Well, I don't know about you, but I love seeing the Lord. Does anybody else here just love to see the Lord? Yes. Our men's breakfast yesterday, we were, were slowly going through the book of Acts. It took us almost two years to get through John, and now we're <laughs> diving into Acts. We're really fast. Whew. 
Uh, but in Acts, yesterday we were at that place when the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost Sunday. Do you remember the story? Tongues of fire. And the Holy Spirit came and he, he gave them the gift, a gift of speaking in tongues. And it was so good that they had to share it with others. I love that about the church. I love that about you. I, I see that in you, that there's times where God does such good things and you can't keep it to yourself. You got to share with others. So he, it, they, even the people were having a hard time. They thought that they were drunk, right? It's nine in the morning. All the 120 people, they're all drunk. As we were talking about what the Holy Spirit's done in our life, an hour went by as if it was 10 minutes. You're just talking about testimonies of what the Holy Spirit has done. Uh, and I, I love that. We could probably do that today. And we would, if we spent the next 24 hours talking about <laughs> testimonies, it, we still probably wouldn't fit. We, we still would have more testimonies of what God has done, what God is doing. Well, thank you, Lord, for that. But if we could, if you want to join me, we're looking at the life of Saul to Paul as a, a way of seeing a transformation from the inside out. Paul was focusing on uh, the outside behavior when he was Saul. As he was Saul, he was focused on uh, you know, kind of the, the Ten Commandments, the do good list, the don't do bad list. And it, there was a switch that happened from Saul to Paul. And that's actually what we're going to read today. If you could, uh, it's Acts chapter 9, and we'll be reading verses 1 through 19. It's Saul's conversion. If we remember, Saul was there giving approval to the death of Stephen. And uh, the people were so given over to rage, to hatred. I know there's times where in our thoughts we can kind of get stirred up and we can think that hate or rage is appropriate. I'm thankful that none of us have ever done that physically where we've caused death to another. But Jesus had said that if we've done that, even in our mind, it's as if you've committed the act. Saul, well, he did it. He was approving it. That's where we pick up here. Acts chapter 9, verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and he asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that he, that if he found any there who belonged to the way, the way was what the early church was called. That, that, that was like our understanding of Christian now, the Christian church, they were called the way. Anyone who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him he fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Well, who are you, Lord? Saul asked. Well, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what, what, what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but they didn't see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by hand into Damascus. And for three days he was blind, and he did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. And the Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias! 
Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. He has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. <laughs> but the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up. He was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Let's break this down a little bit, going back to verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He was so filled with rage. He went to the high priest. The high priest at that time was Caiaphas. Incidentally, a, kind of a neat thing. Oh, in 1990, December of 1990, they found what they believe are the remains of Caiaphas. As the, our archaeologists were doing a dig in Jerusalem, they discovered this, well, what we would kind of call maybe like an urn. It was like a bone box with the Caiaphas written on it, and it appeared to be kind of a person of influence, the way that it was, the way that it was, it was done up. They, they were able to test the age of the bones, and it was at this same time. So it's kind of neat. I, I don't know if you're anything like me. When I was the prodigal outside of the faith, I, uh, it was science that actually caused me to become more and more a follower of Jesus. There's so much uh, scientific evidence that gets you to the point. But even in that, it still takes a leap of faith, doesn't it? It's still, it's all about faith. So he went before Caiaphas. It's interesting. So he must have been a person of influence. There's not many of us that would be able to have the uh, ability to just go in front of the president on a whim. And Caiaphas, he was like a president to the people, uh, to the Jews of that day. Uh, he was here, we see Saul had influence. He went to the high priest and he asked for letters to the synagogues in Damascus. He heard that there was a revival happening in Damascus. People were coming to know the Lord in Damascus and he didn't like it. So um, that anyone that he would find, would find that belonged to Jesus, whether men or women, that he might be able to take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. He's nearing Damascus. So Damascus, it's, uh, it's a good journey. It's over 130 miles. It's a six-day six journey. So he, could you imagine even the rage that's rising up in him as he's traveling to this city? He gets there. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Can you help me with this? Can you say, Saul, Saul? Saul, Saul. Jesus had said, Saul, Saul. He didn't just say Saul, which is interesting. It reminds me of when 
he was at the home of Lazarus. Mary and Martha were there, and Mary was at his feet. Do you remember he had said, Martha, Martha. When Martha was saying, hey, why tell Mary to come in here and help me. There's work to be done. And out of love, he had said, Martha, Martha. Or even when he was looking over Jerusalem, just before he went in to be crucified, do you remember he had said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Here we see him say, Saul, Saul. And it's not out of judgment or condemnation. It's not like when, well, I'll confess, when I was a boy and I was naughty, I would hear Christopher, right? And Christopher Bryan when I was really naughty. It wasn't a Christopher Bryan, Christopher Bryan, you're in trouble. It was a Saul, Saul. It was this endearment. The, the Lord is, he's for Saul, which is interesting. How many of you can be for the people that are persecuting you? How many people, how many of you can be for the person that actually killed one of your, one of your friends? And that we see this is the heart of our Savior. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Oh, this is interesting, isn't it? Who are you, Lord? He, he's like, oh, wait a minute. I, I know. It's not like just, who are you? I, I, I get what's going on here. You are the Lord. Who are you, Lord? And I, I love it. He's already heard the voice of Jesus. He's already heard it. But he's hearing it again. More than likely, he, heard, he probably heard the voice of Jesus multiple times before Jesus was crucified. I am Jesus who you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul, they stood there speechless. Could you imagine being in that posse? We're gonna get those Christians. Mm-hmm, yeah, let's go, Saul. Yeah, whoa, what just, huh? They're speechless. They heard the sound, but they didn't see anyone. Saul got up from the ground. But when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. It's interesting. He had no ability to see Jesus before going to Damascus. He had no spiritual sight. See, we can know things about religion, but that doesn't mean that we have spiritual insight. He, he, he was the... Pharisees of Pharisees. But he didn't actually know anything about spiritual insight. He had no idea that the very one that he was studying in the word of God was right before him. So Jesus, it's almost as if Jesus is like, well, let me, let me show you what it's really like to be totally blind. So he had no spiritual sight and now he has no physical sight. He's led by hand into Damascus. Oh, could you imagine how humbling that would be, Bradley? You're coming to Damascus because you're going to, I'm going to show those Christians a thing or two. And you have to be held by hand, led by hand into the city. And you can't see a thing. For three days, he was blind. He did not eat or drink. Did anybody catch that? For three days. Three days. There's some pretty powerful things that happens in three days. Yep. I think this was even a little bit of Jesus allowing Saul to be 
dead for three days. Because Jesus knows what it's like to be dead for three days, doesn't he? And that leads you to what's going to happen at the end of those three days. The resurrection power that flows and oh, it's coming. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. I love Ananias. Does anybody else in this room just love Ananias? This is the only bit and blurb that we ever get to know about him. He was like you and me. He was, he was uh, what we would maybe would consider an average Christian. God didn't go to Peter. He didn't go to any of these notoriety names. He came to Ananias. He said to Ananias, Ananias said, yes, Lord. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. For he is praying. I love that, for he is praying. Did you catch that? For he is praying. He had this experience with Jesus. All the prayers that he had prayed before that were rote prayers, were prayers that he had memorized, scripture that he had memorized. Now he's actually praying. He had an encounter with God, and he's praying. Maybe this is the first time ever where he's just, he's honestly praying, and and it's not like uh, the rote prayers that we were taught. He's praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him and restore his sight. I love Ananias. Lord, he answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done for your holy people in Jerusalem. And now he's come here to Damascus with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. It's as if he's saying, do you really want to help him? Do I want to go there? Do I want to be a part of that? The Lord had said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles, to their kings, to the people of Israel, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Oh, Ananias, I love him. Then Ananias went into the house. Could you imagine it? Could you picture it? Think of the the one person that maybe seems to be persecuting Christians the most in your life. God, God says to you, Derek, Derek, I want you to go to that person. He's been waiting for you. He knows that you're going to come. You're going to lay hands on him and and you're going to restore his sight through my power. Could you picture what it must have been like for Ananias? (laughs) He's walked straight street many times, more than likely. That was probably one of the most challenging walks he's ever done on straight street. He's placing his hands on Saul. He said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here. So he had a, a word of knowledge saying, this was the Lord. The Lord met with you in this place. He had sent me to you so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Say, filled with the Holy Spirit. So I looked up the, that filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the same filled with the Holy Spirit that's talked about in Acts chapter 2. Filled with the Holy Spirit. So it's a baptism of the Holy Spirit that's being talked about, that you would be baptized in the Holy Spirit that you would know the Holy Spirit in such an intimate way. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He now had spiritual sight and physical sight. He got up, and he was baptized. I believe, not just by water, but he was also baptized by the Holy Spirit. 
And after taking some food, he regained his strength. So what can we learn from this as we reflect on this? Uh, The first is, uh, I'm reminded of how those that exalt themselves will be humbled. But those who humble themselves will be exalted. In the life of Saul, we can see the encouragement to walk humbly with God. To walk humbly with God. Have you been walking humbly with God? Because if you're at the spot where you're exalting yourself, uh, be prepared. Uh, uh, Humbling is coming. But those that walk humbly with God, they'll be exalted. We actually see that in the life of Saul. Saul, he was humbled, right? He was actually, he he fell to the ground. Whether he was riding a horse or not, I know a lot of the paintings make it look like he's riding a horse or a donkey. We don't know. Scripture didn't say that. Uh, We just kind of assume that that's the case, but we know that he fell down. When this bright light happened, he fell down. He was humbled. He had exalted himself with all this authority from the Sanhedrin, from the high priest, but he was humbled. I marvel at that because I know that we in our, in our minds were like, Lord, do you even care what's going on in the state of Minnesota? Or the different people that are pushing different agendas or, or what's going on with the school board decisions or what's going on here or there? What, Lord, do you even know? Do you even care? And, and the answer is, yeah, there's nothing you can get past him. He knows everything. God cannot be mocked. We will reap what we sow. To walk humbly that as followers of him, that we would walk humbly. I, one of my favorite verses is Micah 6, 8. That he has shown you, O mortal, O man, what is good? What does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. To walk humbly with your God. And I believe that this is a, it's a, a daily thing. It's not just a once a week thing. It's not just a once a month thing. It's when uh, things are going well, I walk humbly with the Lord. When things aren't going well, when it feels like the sky is falling, I walk humbly with the Lord. When the storms are raging, uh, when the sun is shining, I walk humbly with the Lord. When uh, my teenagers ask me a question and I have no idea how to answer, I walk humbly with the Lord. When my wife gives me that look, you know, that one, and and I deserve it more than likely. Uh, I walk humbly with the Lord. When somebody at church comes in and says, hey, this happened, I walk humbly with the Lord. I, I love, uh, I've been finding myself drawn to old, I've been a lot of John Wayne movies for some reason lately, which is just really weird. I never thought that I would be into John Wayne movies. But uh, also Andy Griffiths. You remember the Andy Griffiths show? I love the scene at the end when it's father and son fishing poles in hand. They're walking down the country road and they're sharing the ups and downs of life. They're walking humbly with one another. And beloved, that's what I see. That's his heart for you. He wants to walk humbly with you and he's inviting you to walk humbly with him. All the ups and downs. The days that you think that you have it all together and the days you realize you don't. To walk humbly with him. To walk humbly with him. Oh, he loves it. He loves walking humbly with you. So to walk humbly with him, another is that we would learn how to see again. That we would learn how to see again. Some of us that uh, we've lost our spiritual sight because we've been so caught up in what's going on in the world around us. And it's understandable. I get it. My heart aches. This isn't the Minnesota that I grew up 
growing and loving. It's a different, there's different things. There's, there's different agendas that are moving. But we can't sacrifice our spiritual sight right. to, to get so caught up in the physical sight that we have before us. There's some of us in this room that need to see again. You, it's as if you've, you lost your spiritual sight. You need to be reminded that uh, we have triumph and victory made available to us. Yeah. That there was a high price that was paid for the victory to come. Yeah. To be reminded that no matter what challenge or obstacle we'll face, he's going to make a way. Yeah. Jesus, he had said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father. Well, it's not red. I don't know what that is. Should we do it anyways? I like it. Pastor Adam, ladies and gentlemen, isn't he amazing? again. I love how Je uh, Jesus, when he was giving us the beatitudes, the be attitudes, yeah. like these are the attitudes you should be. Yeah. Uh, he had said in Matthew 5, verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. If you want to see God, then um, how's your heart? If you want to have spiritual sight, what's going on in your heart? Is your heart given over to a lot of fear and worry and anxiety and maybe caught up in sin? If you're anything like me in my flesh, when there's a people group that are different from me, it's really easy for me to attack them in my thoughts. I need help. I need the Holy Spirit. He helps me correct what's going on in my heart. You need to see again. And to see again, that means that there needs to be a purity of heart. How's your heart? Lord, would you speak to us right now? I'm not here uh, to try to uh, make people think the way I think. Lord, I'm here because I, I believe that you, you're saying that there's something that's going on in our hearts that's just not right. And I believe it's each and every one of us. There's something that's going on in us that's just not right. Would you, Lord, help us to be pure in heart? Like David, when he realized that his heart was wrong, when, when, the, when he was no longer deceived, he was so quick to say, oh Lord, I repent. I, Lord, cast me not away from thy presence, oh Lord. Renew a right spirit. Lord, purify, create in me a clean heart. Jesus, you're the only one that can create in us a clean heart. So if we've been playing judge, jury, and executioner for people that we don't like or don't agree with or don't understand, Lord, come. Come and purify our heart. Clean our heart. We need you, Lord. We want to see you. We want to see all that you have for us. We want to have spiritual sight. And you had said that those with a pure heart will have spiritual sight. So if there's anything, oh Holy Spirit, if there's anything, would you come and show us?
that we would be able to bring it to you. I thank, the, I thank you, Lord. It, scripture, it says that if there's anything, when we confess our sins to you, you are faithful and true and you will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So there's nothing that's too great for your cleansing blood. That we would be pure in heart. Pure in heart. In Jesus' name, we need you, Lord. That we would see again. Lastly, that we would be filled. That we would walk humbly. That we would see again that we would be filled, that we would be filled. Do you remember when you experienced the filling of the Holy Spirit? Oh, you remember that first time? Or maybe, can you remember that? Oh, come on now. Yes, let's go, Maxine. I remember that time too. I remember it didn't make any sense. Cheslin and I, were we were dating at this time. This was before getting married, so before having this awesome teenage son that's not listening to me up front. Uh, right on. Feels great. Love it. No, I'm just kidding. Sorry, son. Forgive me. Um, we were dating, and we went to a Wednesday night service. And I don't know if you were anything like me. I, I, I didn't grow up charismatic or uh, active in worship. Uh, we knew that the Holy Spirit was there when there was like four-part harmony. When we, bowled out the, we busted out the hymnals, and you could hear the four parts. I'm like, whoa, Holy Spirit's here today. Whoa. Uh, but I, so when I was at this deeper life, this service, we, I put my hands in my armpits and I'd kind of look around like, is anybody watching me? And then I kind of raise my hands quick and then I'd put them in it. Or I'd scratch my head and I'm like, you know, so I didn't know, I didn't know what to do. Is there anybody else that can relate? When you, when you first came into more of that outward form of worship where you're like, what in the world is going on? I am, I am not in Kansas anymore. Whew, here we go. So to be filled, I remember... Cheslin and I, we, it was an invitation. The room was air conditioned. It was freezing in there. And uh, they, we were invited to come forward. And I was so drawn, but also, it, I was also kind of offended. Because I didn't, I grew up in a culture where we didn't, we didn't embrace the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Our, our trinity was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible. That was our trinity. So here... I'm drawn, and in this icebox room, I'm on fire. I've, I've, I feel such heat upon me, and it didn't make any sense naturally. Honestly, it made no sense naturally, because I hadn't run around the room. I wasn't, other than doing the armpit thing, I wasn't really worshiping loudly. And I remember his presence. It felt so good to be filled with him. It was, it was so good. I still, I love it. He, even now, to be filled with him. He wants to come and fill you. For those of you that have been filled with him, he wants to fill you again, to refresh you again. And then again. And again. And there's no end to the Holy Spirit, to his overflow. To be filled to be filled. I love how Jesus in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, when he was giving instructions to his, his, um, his followers, he, he'd already shown himself to more, more than 500 eyewitnesses of his resurrected body. And he was about to ascend, to go into heaven. Uh, and he's giving these last minute instructions. 
And one of the instructions he said, go into Jerusalem and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. How is it that we can be witnesses of Jesus Christ in a world that seems upside down? It's by being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're going to try to do it on your own, you're going to burn out. But if you do it with him, you're going to overflow. You will receive power and you will be my witnesses in New Prague, in Mankato, in Lakeville, in Shakopee, uh, to the ends of the earth, to Haiti, to Malawi, to fill in the blank, Honduras, to Kenya, whatever that would be. I love what you had shared today. Uh, instantly, Colleen, thank you. Because truly, we're actually, we're all called to be missionaries. Some, uh, some missions fields are international, and some are just right outside these windows. Each, one, each and every one of you is a missionary. When you said yes to Jesus, you said yes to a missionary lifestyle. You're an ambassador of Christ. You're a chosen royal priesthood. He chose you, Mark. When he was looking at this world and how crazy it is, he said, I want Mark. I want Wayne. I want Wendy. I want Maxine. I, I want Joe. He chose you. You're not the leftovers. You're the ones that he wanted. And he wants you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Everything that Jesus did was through the power of the Holy Spirit. If you remember when he was water baptized in Matthew chapter 3, towards the end of that, he was baptized in water by John, the baptizer. And then when he came up out of the water and he was on dry land, the father said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And then the Holy Spirit came upon him. He was baptized in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was in the shape of a, a dove. And he was then filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, Matthew 4, 1, it says, and the Holy Spirit led him. All the ministry that Jesus did was done through the power of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. To be filled with the Holy Spirit. Saul is going through this transformation. He realizes that the very one that he was persecuting is Jesus, it's the Lord, the Lord of Lords. And he's humbled, oh boy. Could you imagine his prayers? Those three days, could you imagine his prayers? Prayers of repentance. Boy, I would be repenting if I realized that the Stephen that I killed was a follower of him. Oh, Lord, would you forgive me for killing one of your followers? Imagine how he had his heart. He had such rage, murderous threats. Doesn't even do it justice. As people, we can be given over to murderous threats towards other people groups pretty quick, can't we? That's not what we're called to be. So here, he, Ananias meets with him. He prays for him. Scales fall off his eyes. He's filled. He's baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then he's able to, then as he's receiving such spiritual food, he then is able to rise up and receive physical food. Beloved, I want to challenge you that this next week that we would walk humbly with God, that we would choose to see again that we would see again, that we would look past the trappings, the stumblings, the snares of the world and what the enemy's trying to do, that we would have spiritual sight this next week. And that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
So if you're feeling a little dry and parched, oh, Holy Spirit, I welcome you. Come and fill me again. Fill me again. And scripture talks about this river of God that's teeming with life. Our God is a God of life, not a God of death. And he wants you to experience even more of his life. So be filled. Be filled. How about you? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you today? What is Jesus saying to you today? You have ears to hear him. What is he saying? Ooh, I hear that. The phone is helping us. I like that. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Speak to us, Lord. What are you saying to us? Can we we just close our eyes and allow the Lord to give him full audience? Pastor Adam, would you come on up? Can we give the Lord uh, just an opportunity to... Lord, in Scripture it says that... um, We can have ears to hear you. You had said, my sheep will know my voice. That you are the good shepherd, that you lay down your life for your sheep. You said, my sheep will hear my voice. They will know my voice. So what is it that you're saying to us right now, Jesus? There's a lot of voices that are fighting for our attention right now. We want to fix our ears on you. We want to tune into your voice. Thank you, Lord. Wow. I think this is for some of you in the room. What I was hearing is that he wants you to be able to trust him and to be uh, childlike. Not childish. He's not calling you to be childish, but to be childlike. I I think of uh, Rebecca and her and her girls, and how they're trusting that mom and dad and grandma and grandpa are there and they're caring for them, that they can be childlike. Lord, help us. This world is is a mess. There's a lot of things that are trying to rob from us. But that we could be childlike in your presence, knowing that you're going to take care of it all. Trusting in you. That when you tell us to do things, we'll do it. When you give us marching orders, we'll say, yes, Lord. Uh, But to still have that sweet innocence, to be able to to love being in your presence. Thank you, Lord. Wanted to open up a time, uh, if there's anyone that wanted to be filled with the Holy Spirit or baptized in the Holy Spirit to come forward today, I would love to anoint you, to pray for you, uh, to anoint you, and even to declare that this is a new era for you, that God is going to give you new insight in how to respond to the challenges that are coming. That this is the season, Isaiah 40, 31, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall, yeah, they will not, not go weary, they walk and not faint. But I was seeing him give you insight like the eagle, that you would soar on wings like eagles.
When adversity comes to an eagle, it actually works less and soars higher. And that's what I was seeing. It's you're going to have a spiritual insight that when the things of the enemy come at you, that they actually may be the things that are going to be a part of elevating you into greater insight. That the way that he's going to try to curse you is going to turn into a blessing to you. Hallelujah. And that there's, this is a new era. So I, I wanted to open that up to you. I'm going to pray a, a blessing. And then I would ask that, that everyone in, in the worship center, that you'd be mindful like, to keep it reverent. I love conversations, but if you could take your conversations to the lobby, that would be great. It's Leviticus 20, verse 7. It says, consecrate yourself. Say, consecrate yourself. Turn to your neighbor and say, consecrate yourself. And like hit the other guy in the elbow and said, that, that's you. <laughs> consecrate yourself. Consecrate yourself and be holy. Because I, the Lord, am holy. I am your God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Would you receive this blessing as we close? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you that you, the sons and daughters of God, would truly be all that you're meant to be so that you can do all that you're meant to do, that you would experience his peace, his favor, his abundance. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Be blessed and be a blessing. pray that you received encouragement and impartation as you heard this word today. Connect with us on Facebook and at newday-church.org. Thanks again for listening to this message.